Hello, everybody, and welcome to Five Hole Fantasy Hockey. We're your hosts today, TJ Branson and Zach Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. Today's part two of our Dynasty series. Today, we're going to be joined by Tony Ferrari, junior associate editor for Dauber Prospects. He's an OHL regional writer for FC Hockey. So in part one, we talked to Mitch about a a bunch of players, uh, mostly some a bunch of Habs players. And, yeah, I, I mean, I like talking about Habs players personally because I think they have a great farm system. They have so many really good young players that I think are going to be coming up soon. I think they're going to be, um, in the next couple of years, they're, I think they're going to be a real contender. No, I couldn't agree more. They, I was having a discussion today about um, some of the more prominent goalie prospects that are coming out, and there's like this this whole class of them that's coming out. And you got Carter Hart going up against like Tristan Jari, Mackenzie Blackwood, Thatcher Demko, Igor Shosturkin comes out, and then Ilya Samsonov. There's like this whole class that all started in the last couple of years. Bennington even in there. Uh, and then you got like Spencer Knight coming up, Caden Primo, one of your favorite guys. So it's going to be interesting. In the next couple of years, we're going to have like a whole rush of new goalies to be watching. That's sports, and then and that's hockey. Like, but doesn't it seem so condensed? I got to say, like six, seven teams have rookie goalies starting in the last well, couple of years. Well, you got to right? have, you got to think that. I mean, let's be honest. Not all of those goalies are going to work out. Some will flame out. We're moving away from. Henrik Lundqvist, Henrik Braden Lundqvist, Holpe. yeah, Braden Holtby, all like all of these players that uh, Jonathan Quick, that that's a good one. Like that is kind of like the old guard. Yeah. So like, and they all came out. And they've been going for years and years, 10, 10, 11, 12 years, some more. It seems about time to get some new blood in here. I mean, I'm excited for all for all the new goalies. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to make be... things interesting, and we'll we'll see who the cream of the crop is. Yeah, it's kind of like a measuring stick because they are all starting pretty close together to each other. It's going to be fun to like – I'm sure there's going to be some internal competition between all these guys. It's it's a competitive sport. These are competitive people. Be, it would seem cool, yeah. Yeah, and that that's how I'm playing it in my head. That's how I'm selling it to myself, that it's like this whole class. So today with Tony, we're going to be talking about – some entry draft that are coming in. He does a lot of writing for the OHL, so we're going to be focusing on some draft hopefuls that are coming out of the OHL. We're also going to be uh, looking at some risers and fallers from the 2020 entry-level draft, people that have um, increased their stock, specifically Tim Stutzel, who has been just shooting up the ranks, and it seems like he's even throwing his hat into the ring to be in the top two. And then we want to get Tony's take on some players that could make the jump to the NHL. And this is going to be more towards our redraft and our one-year leagues rather than just dynasty. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. I think it's going to be a good one. Without further ado, we're going to bring in Tony here. I am here. Can you hear me? I can hear you, man. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? Doing all right, man. We are uh, we're joined with Zach here too. How you doing, Tony? Not too bad. So how are you? Uh, how are you staying sane nowadays? Uh, I'm watching a lot of hockey. The treadmill before we before all this kind of went down. I walk on that and watch hockey and got not not much else to do. I found myself power washing my roof today. That's how far down I am, the honey-do list. We are joined with Tony Ferrari. You can find him at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. He's the junior associate editor of Dauber Prospects, OHL regional writer for at FC Hockey. 
fairly certain I'm missing some stuff here, Tony. So if there's anything else you're working on, feel free to plug away. No, it's just those two right now. I used to do some blog stuff for some of the smaller sites, but no, it's just those two right now. Okay. Before we get into everything, I just want to like put a little disclaimer out there. We're going to talk a lot of entry draft, and obviously things are going to change with who drafts the players that we're talking about. So, Tony, you wrote an excellent article about the risers and fallers, and you're pretty well-versed in OHL prospects. So we're going to pick your brain on the prospects coming out of the O. If, if I'm doing my math correctly, it's like 40 to 50% just OHL in the first round. I found myself going down the list, and I swear half of them play for the 67th. So there's a lot of them there. Um, a lot of OHL hopefuls, especially in round one projection-wise. And, and with everything nowadays, there's uncertainty here. And, and the caveat here is that you know Jamie Drysdale could go number three, but we don't know what team's going to pick number three so just keep all of that in mind so there could be a little bit of like different things i'm sure everybody knows but uh going back these years the one and two picks have made a jump straight to the nhl we're looking at hughes kako even doc and then dalene sveshnikov kokinyami brady kachuk all made it from that class and then he patrick matthews line a mcdavid and eichel so when we're thinking about this with whatever happens we're probably going to see alexi lafreniere or alexi laugh as i've come to call him and we're going to see either Byfield or Drysdale I would think and maybe even both of them what do you see coming out of these top three guys are we likely to see them in the NHL next year or do any of them kind of need a little extra cooking all three of those guys could probably play in the NHL next year uh Lafreniere he's going to be in the NHL regardless of what team drafts them whether it's Washington Pittsburgh or Detroit or Ottawa he's going to be in the NHL no matter what Quentin Byfield is a guy Hey, Tony. But, uh, yeah. Tony, we're getting a lot of, like, breaking up. Is there any chance I could um, call you right back and see if we get some better connection? Yeah, no problem. All right. I'm going to bring you right back in. Hey, hey back. can you hear me now? Yes, much better. Yeah, much better. <laughs> All right. With these top three, I think uh, you were just got done saying that uh, you were Jesse Lafreniere will, without a doubt, be in the NHL. And then before a little bit of connection issues, we, we got to Byfield and Drysdale as well. Yeah. Well with Byfield, he's a guy that I think he probably could play in the NHL no matter what. It's not much of an issue whether he's physically ready. He's obviously physically ready, but there are some people who think maybe another year because he is so young for this draft class in the OHL could be beneficial. But honestly, if he goes back to the OHL, it's just going to be abusive to the rest of the league. He's going <laughs> to put up 150 points. Like with he, like he's going to dominate the league physically, offensively, defensively. It's not going to be fair. So I think he should be in the NHL next year. As for Drysdale, he's a tough one. Depending on who drafts him, I could see maybe maybe he gets some time in the NHL next year. Like maybe if a Buffalo or an Edmonton somehow get that pick. But as far as like a Detroit or an Ottawa even – if, if one of those two teams get them, sending them back the year, they're not in a rush. Their their rebuilds nowhere near complete. Detroit's going to be super young next year. Ottawa's going to be super young next year. You don't need to bring on another rookie. That's Ottawa's going to have Lafreniere, Byfield, one of these other high end talents too. Right. So bring in a young defenseman. He probably needs another year, especially because defensively. He's he's hit, hit and miss sometimes. Uh, offensively, Drysdale's fantastic. He's he's a treat to watch when he's got the puck on his stick, but defensively he has some lapses and he has some physical disadvantages there as well. So defensively, I think Drysdale could probably use another year in the OHL. I want to comment on Quinton Byfield here. 
32 goals, 50 assists, 82 points in 45 games, even put up some decent pims. Is that something that's in his wheelhouse? Does he have that heavy hitting? Is that his game? He's not necessarily a huge heavy hitter. Like he'll get in on the four check, no problem. He'll lay the body, but he's never going to be the guy that blows people up behind the net or necessarily in open ice. But he, he can he'll rack up a few hits. And as for penalty minutes, he's he's a big guy. He's going to get penalties. That's going to be <laughs> reaching his stick out. Like his stick's going to be it's going to be almost char like, right? So yeah, he's going to get a few tripping penalties or holding pen, or hooking penalties. So you can rely on him for penalty minutes. You can rely on him for a few hits here and there, but offensively that's where he's going to shine but he's definitely got some of the peripherals that you're going to look for so my last question on byfield and more in a broader sense on just prospects in general where do i find peripheral stats for prospects i can never i mean there there are some outlets out there that will give you like shots on goal but i can never find hits i can never find blocks is that something you just amass by watching games or is there some secret website that has all of these things totaled up for you Honestly, it, it it's awful. With junior hockey, <laughs> you'd think there'd be a better resource, but there really isn't. Pick224.com is a, a fairly okay. new website that has a lot of a lot of stats on on the prospects. The guy that runs it, I, I can't remember his name off by hand, but uh, he gets even strength goals for, uh, even strength faceoff and uh, shooting Decent. percentages and stuff like that. He's got a lot on there that that like chl.ca and stuff just doesn't have. Uh, you guys were talking a little bit about Jamie Drysdale. I think, I mean, I personally see him as a lock for at least top five. I'm thinking it'll be more like pick number three, depending on who's picking. A young defenseman, I think he's the best defenseman coming out. TJ kind of likes to put him in the like in the high skin in range, I think mainly because of his height. I mean, he's only 5'11", 170 pounds. He's young. So, I mean, he has some growing up to do. He, had, he has to put some pounds on to really be NHL ready. But honestly, we're starting to see a lot of kind of smaller defensemen that really base a lot of what they do on positioning and skating. And I think that's what Drysdale does do very well. The only thing is some of these other young defensemen that are already in the NHL, Heiskanen, Makar, stuff like that, who are small, have great shots. Does Drysdale really kind of have that in his game? Do you think he is NHL ready for offense? I wouldn't say his his shots NHL ready. He's still got it's a good shot for a junior hockey defender. He's still got a really really high end shot, but he he definitely needs to add some strength to get get a little bit more meat behind it. Offensively though, like in terms of playmaking and the ability to transition the puck up the ice and quarterback a power play, oh he's ready 100%. He's a guy that maybe not got the Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr upside, but he's definitely in that high skinning range. He's he's a guy that. He's going to dominate the puck. Anytime the puck's on his stick, you know something can happen, and the defense has to be ready for that. He's almost like a fourth forward in the offensive zone. I've seen many times where there's a goal where he's assist, he's got the primary assist, and he's passing it from one side of the the crease to the other. He's, he's not going to hesitate to take advantage of the opportunities other teams' defenses give him. So offensively, I think he's ready. And as for defensively, like I said, he needs to add a little bit of strength maybe. His straight line speed isn't necessarily phenomenal. It's still, it's good, but not phenomenal. And uh, he's a guy that, like you said, he's going to rely on positioning more often than not defensively. Mm-hmm. He's going to try to angle guys to the outside. And he, he does that really, really well. But there are times where he gets against a, a bigger player, like a Quentin Byfield, and he just drives him to the net and drives deals like a, a rag doll on his back. And I mean, 
with Quentin Byfield, there's a lot of players that do that. So it's not necessarily something that, against Drysdale. I just think he needs a little bit more strength. Okay, so maybe like one year extra cooking? Yeah, like one year, kind of sim- similar to what Quinn Hughes did. Take one year, kill McCarr. They both took one year in college. Drysdale will take one year in the O. He'll he'll be in the in the league within a year. Any peripheral value with him? Yeah, yeah. he's not going to be a big hits guy. He, he's not uh, a physical spe- specimen by any means, and he doesn't really throw his body around even even without being big. But uh, block shots, he might get you some because he's he's more than willing to get in the way of pucks, but. His his defensive style is, is stopping the puck at the blue line, so you don't get really too many shot blocks or stuff like that in your own zone because Drysdale tries not to be in his own zone, and that's his best attribute. Hmm. I want to move now to Cole Perfetti, who kind of took the world by storm with his under-18s. He racked up 12 points in five games. I really saw his name kind of hit the marquee a little bit. Really good stats for the Saginaw Spirit. He made some offensive improvements to his portfolio this year, they say. Two points per game almost. And there's a little bit of criticism on him. He's a bit unorganized. Some call him unpredictable. There's also talk about his skating. It could use some work. But what I want to know, he's a top 10 pick. He's going to get his shot. Does it seem like he's going to need another year? Maybe even two. We've seen guys in the top 10. Jake Bean is a top pick from 2016 and, and hasn't really seen any NHL time. And are we possibly looking at that, or is Cole Perfetti going to be somebody that that steps in pretty soon? Cole Perfetti, he's offensively, he's, he's an excellent talent. This year, he's done such a good job of diversifying his talent. He was a, always a pretty decent playmaker, and you you look back at his uh, minor midget years, and he he was always a better playmaker than a goal scorer. And then as soon as he got to junior hockey, his shot just boom became a, a massive weapon for him. So he wanted to shoot the puck all the time. <laughs> Last year, he did that, and he had tons of success. He had over 30 goals last year as a rookie. And then we all watched him at the Halinka in August where he's just – he led the tournament in, in points by just scoring goals, basically. <laughs> and this year he came into the OHL season, and for the first two months of the year, his shooting percentage was like 6%, I think. And he he, he was still at the top of the league league scoring list, but he was – everything was assists. So I started joking around calling him Playmaker Perfetti because everyone was calling him Goal Perfetti. <laughs> and – he just ah. became that. And this year, he put up over 100 points, and the majority of it was it was assists. He he became a, a really high-end playmaker. I think the biggest step with him this year was he was always a decent skater, not a great skater. And I don't think his skating really improved that much. I think it was his his the way he thinks the game. He became a smarter player this year. And when you're a smart player, you can look at guys like John Tavares even, who aren't great skaters. When you're a smart player, you can get to the spots you need to be. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have a player on his skating because it's a, it's a necessary thing for the NHL. You have to be at least a good skater to be in the NHL. If a player's at least good, I'm not going to harp on them too much because if they can think their way to the spot they need to be in, if they can get to that dangerous spot on the ice, I'm not really worried about it. You look at mm. Cole Perfetti. Uh, as for his NHL arrival, he's probably got another year. He's a little bit, like you said, unorganized. Defensively, he's kind of hit and miss. Some plays he, when he's trying on defense, he's a he's a guy that can get the puck turned turned over and move up the ice for some offense. When he's not trying, he's like floating in out of the blue line, trying to stay in the neutral zone to get a little bit of a leap towards the offense. He, he's he's probably got a year before he's in the NHL. Okay. And I think that's how probably a lot of these players are going to be. And with with the next guy that I want to talk about, I I think that's how it's going to be as well. And that's Jack Quinn. 
um, who I think actually has the best shot for one of these younger players. He is, I mean, he's a pure goal scorer. 52 goals last year playing in uh, playing for the 67s. The thing is, the 67s were fantastic. They were like they were the best team in the in in their league. So, how much really is that the team, and how much really was it Jack Quinn just kicking ass? So my thing with Jack Quinn is first off, I I've had him low in my lower in my rankings than most people have all year, and I've been getting shit for that. And most people go, oh, well, you probably think it's all because he's playing with uh, Marco Rossi. Rossi's the reason he's got the stats. The facts are he doesn't play with Rossi that often. So he's he's on a line that's generating offense for, himself, for themselves. But I still think he is the passenger on that line. He's he's a really high-end producer. Like you said, his shot is unbelievable. That's something you like. You don't score 50 goals in the OHL in your draft year. Yeah, on accident. On accident. <laughs> like he, he's really late birthday. Like, he, he's. He's only like four days away from being in last year's draft class, so he is a bit older. My biggest hesitation with Quinn, when you look at his year-over-year production, last year he had 12 goals and he went to 52 this year. He had more goals this year than he had points last year. And, wow. and don't get me wrong, I, I definitely think a guy can, can improve year-over-year year a, uh, a large amount. But I think there was some of that. He was on the Ottawa 67s. They were really high-end offense. They are a high-octane team. They had defensemen who could move the puck up the ice. He he was basically a benefactor of his situation, I think. But he's still a hell of a player. He's still a first-round talent. A, a guy going and scoring 50 goals, you put him on, a, on, on the Windsor Spitfires, a fairly middle-of-the-road team, he's still scoring 35 to 40 goals. So I, th- I think he's still a first-round talent. But a lot of people I've seen have him up in like the top 10 range. And for me, that's just a little too rich on Quinn. I personally see him going between 15 and 20, somewhere somewhere in the middle, maybe closer to 20. Okay, so it seems like I'm a little higher on him than maybe you and TJ are. Do you kind of see him as more of a gamble this year, considering he kind of just broke out onto the scene with all of these goals? Goal scorers are, let's be honest, uh, kind of hit or miss sometimes. Like my thing with Quinn is I, I don't necessarily see him as a, a, a big gamble. I think you're going to get a good goal scorer. I just think there's a lot else in his game that just isn't there. His two-way game is kind of okay. He's good on the penalty kill, but he's not good at five-on-five five defensively. It's, it's one of those weird situations. So to me, that points to an effort issue. And I noticed a lot of times he, he, he does do a lot of floating around. So like you said, I, I think maybe spends another year in the OHL, plays half a year in the AHL the following year, and then maybe that he gets a shot in the NHL. I think you're getting a good goal scorer, regardless of, of who when you draft him. And if a team does decide to take him in that 15 to 20 range, he's a guy that I look at and I go, okay, I totally see why. 52 goals is unmistakable. Like, that's a good a good goal scorer. I have him, I think, in my rankings, I have him at 27. But if someone were to draft him at 15, 16, I'm like, I see why. I totally understand it. Mm. So the guy that I have up next is somebody I don't really have a read on is Jacob Perot did well over a point per game for probably, I mean, they were the worst team in the Western Conference. Sarnia Sting was not a good team last year. And to be over a point per game, to be a viable player on a team that's not good is pretty good. But I'm, I'm wondering more about his game. What can you tell us about him? What can we hope for? 
Jacob Furrows, he's a he's got a really good shot. He's a good offensive player. He's he's got a lot more speed than I, I gave him credit for at the start of the year. He was a guy that my biggest issue with him was he did have kind of a poor skating stride, and he didn't generate much power. And this year he came out and. If I'm not mistaken, at the top prospects game, he actually beat John Luke Foody in a couple of the skating drills. Uh, his, his skating this year is just skyrocket. Like just from he was like a five skater at the start of the year, and now he's about an eight. Like he's a, a legit NHL quality skater. So I, I think Jacob Pro is a guy that's gonna he's gonna score goals. He's his defensive game's improving, but uh, he's definitely gonna need a playmaker with him. He's not a guy that can generate too much on his own and. I've seen him a number of times this year because he was on that, that bad Sarnia team where he's trying to do so much on his own and he's just getting closed off and he makes it through a couple guys and the third guy or a fourth guy gets him. So I, I think on a better team, he'd have had a lot better numbers. So I, I think a team's going to get him in the late first round, early second round, and they're going to be really happy with the prospect they get. I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities working on his defense, playing for Sarnia. Uh, they're mostly, <laughs> <laughs> they're on their heels a lot. Yeah. Mark, yeah, Martin Kromiak. Uh, so this past year he played in what the the OHL and the Slovak League, had decent stats. Uh, he's looking at almost three shots a game, but he seems more of like a like a second round kind of guy. He didn't do anything crazy in the in the under 18s. I'm not really super high on him, and and I definitely don't see him as a first rounder. Where do you kind of see Martin Kromiak going? Uh, Martin Kromiak is an interesting prospect because, like you said, he did split the, split the season half in the Slovak League and half in the OHL. I, I see him as a, a early to mid-second rounder. He's a guy that I, I really like his game, and there, there's definitely going to be questions of how much was Shane Wright to credit for his, his production in the OHL. 33 points in 28 games was pretty impressive, especially just coming over mid-season, not really knowing your teammates and anything. Shane Wright's stats didn't prove on a per-game basis after Kromiak arrives, so I think there's definitely a good player there, but I don't see him as necessarily a line driver. I, I see him as a really high-end complementary player, uh, a guy that you can put on an Austin Matthews line or a Jack Eichel's line, and he's going to contribute. He's going to produce mm. on that line, and he's going to be capable, but he's not going to be a guy that you can set up a line around. So I, I see him going early in the second round. I have him, I think, on my personal rankings at 42. Early in the second round, he's a guy that you take the chance on to see if the production's real, and it certainly seems like it is. So, yeah, I, I see him as a second-round guy. Moving on, uh, I kind of want to talk about a little bit about your, your article uh, that you had written for Dauber. Um, Zach, do you mind if I interrupt real quick? Um, what? I want to bring up uh, Tony Strange, if you don't mind. Oh, Antonio Strange. Yes, yes. <laughs> I like calling him Tony Strange. But, yeah, it's, it's Strangis, <laughs> right? It's Strangis, yeah, but his season is strange, that's for sure. He's a really fun guy to watch. He's uh, got that ten to two skating stride, and he, he's got a lot of lot of skill, but he's not really done anything with it. He's forty points in sixty one games. It's not really too awe inspiring. He didn't really show a ton offensively, but every once in a while he would flash that high end skating and the really good hands, and you go, okay, there's the player that that people saw as a first rounder at the start of the year. A lot of people saw as a top 15 pick at the start of the year. He just never took that step. His production basically stagnated year over year from last year. He doesn't really do a whole lot physically. He's a perimeter player that plays on the outside, has some fancy footwork, and 
if you want to take the chance on seeing if you can mine that those flashes out of him to see if you can get a, a little bit more of a complete player, he's the guy that you take a chance on because the, the upside's really, really high with him. But the, the floor for him is literally never playing an AHL game even. So he, he's, a, he's a guy that I, I wouldn't take a risk on in the first round at this point. Maybe if I have like three thir- second round picks, I take him with one of them. But I, I really lost a lot of faith in him over the year. I came into the year really wanting him to do good, and he didn't do a whole lot. Do you play any NHL, whether it be on PlayStation, Xbox, any of that? Yeah, I play on the PlayStation. Okay, so you'll know the L. <laughs> you'll know the, the L1 button kind of like turns you, and you you yeah. face the net. It seems like that is his favorite move to do. I, I was watching a highlight video of him, and half the video was him just skating like that, like he was permanently holding the L1 button. Dang, man, that's the 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 ten to two skating, the Mohawk skating. It's he, he he does it better than almost anyone I've seen do it before him. Like I, I think he does it better than, than Jeremy Bracco did or even even a guy like Rob Shrimp back in the day. He still doesn't do a whole lot with it. He gets to the middle of the ice with it once in a while, but it's like now you you're facing the blue line. So you're not <laughs> effective at all. And like I said, he was a guy that I really I had a ton of hope for because he is that that video game player, right? He's the guy that you can have a ton of fun with. But yeah. He just doesn't produce. Not not too good when you can't do a whole lot else on the ice. Moving back to what I was saying, I, I wanted to kind of talk about the risers, about something that you had brought up for, for one of your Dauber articles. First off, is a guy that I really like. I am all about him, especially hearing more about him. Okay, number two, that he would be going number two, that he is the second best prospect, and that is Tim Stutzel. Super fast. I love his speed. Uh, I think that is the number one thing about Stutz. I mean, he's not like a pure goal scorer or anything like that, but he is just so damn fast. And he, and he is going to scare people. He's got a little bit of weight to him. He could definitely get a little bigger. But I like Tim Stutz in a big way. It seems like a lot of other people are kind of hopping on that bandwagon as well and, and kind of getting him up to the number two, what is it about him that kind of is making him rise so much, even surpassing someone like Byfield? Well, the big thing with Stutzel is he he plays in the DEL, the German league. Coming into the year, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, it's a DEL, more insider was a one-time thing, and they discredited the DEL completely. I'm very proud to say coming into the year, I had Stutzel at at my, I think, number six on my rankings, and he hasn't dropped at, at all. He's up at number three now. Like you said, he's got tons of speed. He thinks the game in almost a predatory way. He see, he knows the middle of the ice is the most dangerous area, and he just gets there. He's passing the puck there when he's not there, and when he is there, he's fighting through traffic and battling through, like you said, men. Like the, a lot of these guys are former NHLers. Like Keith Ollie plays on it, like in the DEL, a six foot five Keith Ollie who played for the Leafs in the Lightning. Stutzel battles through him. I, I watched him embarrass him on, on one play specifically where he put the puck through his legs twice and then <laughs> rang it off the puck. Stutzel is this dynamic offensive forward who he can he's played wing most of the year in the DEL, but prior to that, he's played center all of his yeah, life. He's a center. When, yeah, when you watch him go back into the defensive zone, he plays in the defensive zone as a centerman does. He watches the front of that net. He's constantly covering for defensemen. He's battling below the red line. And his, because he has that speed and the skating and the ability to take two steps and pull away from just about anybody, 
he's able to transition the puck from blue line to blue line almost as fast as any prospect in this. He's constantly playing at a, a high pace of game. This was just a guy that he is, he is everything that Antonio Strangis could be on steroids, basically. Hmm. He's, got, he's got the crazy skating. He's got the fun thinking of just get to the middle, but he's got all the all, all the tools and intangibles that you need. Like that, he's got the mindset of how to play hockey. He's, he battles along the boards, no problem. Comes out with a puck on an over fifty percent basis. He's a, he's just a he's a guy that if he plays in the NHL next year, I won't be shocked at all. I don't think he's going to. I think he'll probably get a year in the AHL because he is a European prospect, so he doesn't have to wait in the CHL. He can just jump right to the uh, the AHL. So I think he plays a year in the AHL, and then the following year, he's, he's my pick for Rookie of the Year, two years wow. from now already. All right. That would be cool. I, I like him. And it's just everything I everything I, I read about him and, and what other people are saying about him is just his work ethic. And, and that's what I want to see about – that's what I want to see out of my top prospect that I plan on drafting with one of the first three picks. You know what I mean? I want to see worth at work ethic. I want to see somebody that's going to put in the work to actually get to the NHL and be a, and be a good NHLer. And I think that's something that Tim Stutzel can be. I think that, in my personal opinion, I think he's a lock to to be in the NHL in a couple of years. And I'm glad that you think so too. And he's German. I like my German guys. So, <laughs> oh, I was I was the guy pushing the Moritz Sider boat last year, and I was the guy pushing the Tim special boat this year so i'm i'm with you on the germans i could hear it in your voice you were very very excited about him and i think uh, oh, he, for good reason he, yeah he honestly might be my favorite prospect in the draft <laughs> me too zach it, uh zach was a you were a german major right i was a german minor german minor so he's, he's very history, high on these history german major guys. german minor uh my last name is vogel it is a german word uh, it means bird. So yeah, I, I I like the German players and and I I love this kind of German push, uh, especially with Drysital at the forefront. And I TJ, you're a huge fan of Drysital. You should be bigger on these German players. I like my blondes, man. <laughs> so I want to move on to Marco Rossi now, who again Ottawa 67s, the best team by a decent margin in the OHL, 120 points in 56 games. Top 10 projected. He's kind of a, he, not even kind of, he's a small guy, five foot nine, 179. How much of his success is because of being on the powerhouse team? Now, I think maybe the cat got let out of the bag when we were talking, who was it? Um, Jack Quinn? Jack Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it kind of got leaked that um, Rossi was a play driver. So I think he is somebody that you might be able to build a line around. Is that true? Yeah. Rossi's a guy that he's, out of any of the guys in the top 10 outside of uh, Lafrenia and Byfield, he's the one I think is most NHL ready. Despite being only 5'9", 179, 180, he's got those Crosby thighs. Like, you watch it. He, he pushed around Byfield in the game. I, I watch him, man. Like, he, you watch him just push around these big defensemen, like, without a problem. Because he's got that solid base. Like, he's never, he's always got that wide stance going up against bigger guys. He's not a guy that gets knocked down too much. Uh, his board plays like near the top of the near the top of the OHL um easily one of the top 5 best defensive forwards in the NA, or OHL already he like I said he's older for the draft class as well so those are things you look for in a guy like that a guy that's had an extra year almost on some of these prospects the the offensive game that speaks for itself 120 points he he was a guy that like I said he drove play whoever you put on his line produced that's just how it was he was the fifth 
fixer on Ottawa this year, kind of like he was last year. He did the same thing last year. Someone was struggling on Ottawa, they'd put him on Rossi's line and they would start to get things going. Defensively, he's a star. His skating isn't the greatest I've ever seen, but like I said, he knows where to be. He's one of the, again, he's one of the smartest players in the draft. So mm. I think Rossi's a guy that if he if someone gets him outside of the top five, they're laughing. We are seeing like kind of a a smaller player have a place in the NHL. We're seeing Kyler Yamamoto, who threw around a little bit of hits. We're seeing Cole Caulfield, who scores goals, takes shots. I think um, when we were talking to Mitch, he was he was putting on like seven shots in a game sometimes. Marco Rossi, Alex Debrinket. Does Marco Rossi bring any perifs to the table? Uh, Marco Rossi will throw a few hits. He he's He'll get your penalty minutes because he kind of has a red mist about him. Where when he you get him kind of pissed off. Can I swear here for a second? He, he's oh yeah, just a, absolutely. Uh, he's just a bastard. He he'll be a fucking asshole. Like <laughs> there he, you go. he got suspended. He got suspended once this year for a slew foot. There was another time where he probably should have got suspended because he just took a couple extra shots and drove a guy into the boards. Uh, right, so he would fit in well in Boston, is what you're saying. When he goes to Boston, him and Marshawn are going to compete for who can not get suspended the most. They're going to be French kissing <laughs> in the corner. That's what's gonna... Oh, oh man. <laughs> it would be so frustrating if he got on Boston somehow. I'm just glad they don't have a top 10 pick. Right, yeah, I was going to say. But yeah, exactly. kind of like, but yeah, he's that kind of guy. He, he'll rack up some penalty minutes because, like I said, he loses his shit once in a while, but brings the offense that makes up for it, so you can't be too mad at him. That's good to hear. I'm glad. All right, so finally, we are going to be talking about Dawson Mercer, um, who got traded mid-year this year. He's much more of like a a 200-foot player, just smart guy, pretty good shot, I feel like, can also be a little more of a playmaker. I think he's more of like a middle six sort of guy, but do you think there's a better ceiling than middle six? No, I with, with Dawson Mercer, I see him as a guy that's, maybe low, low ceiling, high floor kind of guy. At, almost at worst, he's going to be on your third line. And at best, he's going to be on your second. He, he's a guy that he can play all three positions on the on the offense. I've seen him play center a few times and, and his offside a few times, but he does excel on the right wing. He's just a, a smart player. He's, he's good 200 feet. Like you said, he's got a really good shot. He doesn't necessarily use it as much as I'd like to him like him to, at least from the, the dangerous areas. But he's he's a really good playmaker. He sees the ice extremely well. But yeah, if he if he can take a, another year in junior, kind of work on getting to the middle of the ice a little bit more, he can become a better goal scorer because he's got a really high end shot. But I see him far too many times just outside the dots or at top of the circle, just kind of throwing it on net. And those will get you shots. So fantasy wise, he's going to rack up some shots. But you want him to score a few more goals, just take a few more strides towards the net, and, and maybe a, another year in junior, he can work on that. That's going to do it for the meat section of our interview here, and we're going to move on to the potatoes. So what I want to do now, Tony, is I want to leave it open-ended to you. I want to ask you about anybody that you think that's already in the system, already drafted, somebody that we actually have a dynasty draft starting in a couple weeks, somebody that we kind of like hold up our sleeves under the radar that could make a jump to the NHL and make an impact? Well, depending on who's available in the Dynasty League, because I know with my Dynasty League, we have a lot of the guys already taken, but you're going to get a guy like Alex Turcott and signed with the Kings, and he's going to take a step and he's going to join the Kings next year. I think he's a guy that can put up 40 points for you, and he's, he's a low-end your roster kind of guy for now, but with a Dynasty League, he's a guy you, you grab and you want, want to let it grow. Uh, Bowen Byram has a good chance at, at making the Avalanche next year. Going to put up points if he does 
kind of play, but I, I see him maybe taking on a role similar to what uh, Bokvist did in Chicago this year, in and out of the lineup once in a while and whatnot, but he'll get his offensive points when he's in there. Uh, another defenseman I really like and I can see making the step next year is, is Morris Sider. I kind of mentioned him earlier. Uh, I think he's a lock to be in the top four in Detroit next year. He's going to end up playing big minutes. He's going to be able to take it defensively, so I think he's going to get a lot of time on ice. He's going to rack up all those peripheral stats that we're talking about. He's going to get the hits. He's going to get the shot blocks. Being on Detroit, he's going to get a lot of shot blocks because they're going to have 57 <laughs> shots fired at them every day. Yeah, like a guy like Snyder, no one's got him in your league. He's a guy to target. We're drafting from scratch, so this is going to be, you know, any name. We're like we're from the ground up. Oh, this is beautiful then. So it's weird that you brought up uh, Bowen Byram here. He actually just came up in our Discord. He, uh, Andrew, the same guy that was curious about uh, Tony Strange, he asks, how much risk is there taking Byram? How much risk is there of Byram taking over in a couple of years? I guess over the likes of uh, Kale McCarr for the top power play. I'm sure that's what he's going for. I mean, I I don't see that being the case, but but we'll we'll let Tony. Yeah, I'm with you here, too. I, I think in, in a couple of years, Makar is going to be the guy that's competing for the Norris almost every year. Yeah. I think Byram's going to be able to produce, but he's always going to be muted because he's not going to get on that power play one for a while. He's going to be the guy that's on the power play, too, because he's going to be able to beat out Sam Gerrard. But how much production is he going to get on power play, two when you have McKinnon, Kadri, Landis Cog, and Rettinen on power play <clears throat> one with, with Makar, right? So... I think Byram is a risk to take in terms of if you're relying on him for purely power play, play uh, points. But if, if you need a guy at the bottom of your roster that's going to put up five on five points, if you guys weight those any differently, I know Miley does. He's a guy that's going to get you five on five points as a defenseman. Maybe not in his first couple of years, but he, he's going to be a guy that's going to be a, a 35, 40 point defenseman with secondary power play time, I think. Uh, so he's another an guy. Yeah, he's an investment. He's a. Any young defenseman, that's the thing. Any any young defenseman is not likely going to put up with Makar and Hughes. It, it's dull and even in, in the last couple of years. As much as we've seen a lot of these really high-quality defensemen come up the last couple of years, that's not the norm for defensemen. Like there, A lot of teams still have the, the trepidation of even putting them in the lineup. Like oh, my God, but even it's look so at much it. fun. Oh, it's a blast. I, I want them to play only prospects at times. But, like... <laughs> You look at a few other teams like uh, Edmonton. Evan Bouchard is going to be up on Edmonton next year. And mm-hmm. you look at their off- their defenseman, and I think Evan Bouchard could take over on power play one at some point next year pretty easily. He's he's a better offensive guy than than Clefbaum or Nurse. I don't really see anyone else challenging him in, in Edmonton right now. So I think Bouchard could be a guy that you could maybe invest in. He could get you a few points next year from the power play and in Montreal, they're going to, they really want to try to get Alexander Romanov there. And if they do, he, he's going to be on the team and they're going to try to push him into power play time, even though I don't think he's necessarily suited for that, but he's a guy that because of the situation he's going to be put in, you could probably get him pretty cheap for the back end as well. I hear he's great for peripherals too. Yeah. He'll, he'll get you tons of hits and stuff like that. So as long as you're not in a points only league, Romanov's a really good player to, to look out for. Let's move on to a couple names that we're very interested going into next year. I want to lead off with Dylan Cousins. I think there's a good amount of, obviously, except for the 1C spot, there is nothing but room in the top six for somebody like Dylan Cousins. We've seen also Casey Middlestat was pretty highly touted, and now 
he's just he's floating. I don't I think they're trying to pretend he never existed. I don't know what's going on with Casey Middlestat. We're not going to go there. But Dylan Cousins seems like somebody that could that could really step in. And if I'm remembering correctly, he had one hell of a year to the point where um, in the WHL, he was seventh in overall points. It looks like he was injured a little bit. He only played 51 games there, but he did have point per game of 1.67. Good for third in the league. I guess that's where I was getting that. Um, what can you hope for for him? Eichel, if he was winging Eichel, that would be huge. But what do you see as like a, a more realistic scenario? The way I'd like to see it go down is I think he, he's got the talent to make Buffalo next year. And I think he should start on Eichel's wing because he, he is young. He's a, I think he's a pretty good two-way, two-way player, but the NHL is an adjustment and you want to make that as easy on, on a guy. And he, he's not a Quinton Byfield or an Austin Matthews. You don't want to push him at, into center right away. He's going to be a center long-term. He's probably going to be the second-line center by the end of next season. But you, you start him on Eichel's wing. You let him get comfortable with the game. You, you push him in the center slowly. And he's a guy that I think he's, he's going to be a guy that can put up 30, 40 points next year pretty easily without question. If he's on Eichel's wing for any extended period of time, he could put up over 50, no problem. He's got a, a really good shot. He's got pretty good vision. The size isn't an issue for him. He's, he's got a man's frame already. Uh, and he, he's a smart player. So I, I think he's going to be a guy that is going to help maybe Jack Eichel score 50 goals next year if he's on his wing. And I, I think he's going to ra- kind of ride Eichel's coattails into some pretty decent point totals next year. So that would hurt somebody like Sam Reinhardt. Kind of stay away if if you, we are along the same lines of thinking here. Yeah, but no, because I think he, someone else is going to have to score on Buffalo. There, there's going to be 40 minutes when Jack Eichel's not on the ice. So I think Sam Reinhardt's a guy that can create a little bit of offense for himself. I wouldn't shy away from drafting him too much because I, I don't think his offense was too, too heavily reliant on Eichel this year. Next, we have uh, Tyler Madden. He's somebody who I think has a good chance of making it up onto the team next year. Uh, what what are your thoughts? He had a hell of a year at North, Northeastern, and then he got hurt right at the end of the year. And then mm-hmm. things kind of ended up closing up shop, and, and it didn't really matter too much at that point. Point. But he, when he got traded to the to the Kings, I, I really thought that was a mistake giving him up by the Canucks. I think he's a he's a pretty good player. He, he's an energy guy. He, he's not going to provide peripherals. He's he's not going to get you a ton of hits. But he's he's going to be a guy that he's going to score you some, some points. He's not going to blow the doors off. He's not a first line guy. Or he may not even end up being a second line guy in in, in the end of things. But he's going to be a high end third line player and I, I could see him easily being a, a second third line winger and scoring 40 points in a couple of years 50 points pretty consistently next year I, I don't think I'd expect too too much out of him I do think he's going to make the Kings because somebody has to but yeah um, they suck they're horrible so. yeah like <laughs> you, you you and I have a pretty decent shot at making the Kings next year <laughs> nice. uh, I, I think he's going to be on the Kings I mean you could probably you, you maybe see him play with Turcotte next year for a little bit have uh have a kid line run out there and just have some fun Turcotte's responsible enough that he he'll play a good two-way game but I think he's going to be a guy that maybe gets 35 points next year, 40 points. And that's if he has a really good year. But the Kings aren't good. So I, I think with Tyler Madden, you draft him and then you hope for a couple of years from now. All right. So the next guy I'm curious about is Peyton Krebs, somebody that um, Joel in our Discord is a huge fan of, was just behind Dylan Cousins in point per game in the WHL and looks to be somebody that can make an impact in Vegas next year. What do you think his chances are? 
Well, I, I really like Peyton Krebs coming out of uh, coming out of uh, well Kootenay at the time, now Winnipeg, and the WHL in his draft year when he got drafted by Vegas. Uh, he's a he's a guy that I think he's a really smart player. He's he's a guy that's going to give effort a hundred percent of the time and then still hit somebody despite not being a big guy. So he's going to get to the peripherals. Um, he, he's a guy that I don't think he's ever going to be uh, an eighty. 90 point player by any means but i think at the high end of things he could probably be a 60 70 point player who kind of plays center and wing i could see him being a second line center or a first line winger he's not the greatest two-way player but he's pretty responsible he's pretty responsible for for a young kid uh his point production this year like you said 60 points in 38 games it's really impressive uh but but he is a he is more of a playmaker like he had 48 assists his shots just kind of uh, the average junior shot. It's nothing too, too special, but he he sees the ice really well and he competes like a motherfucker. He's more than willing to get in someone's face in front of the net. He's more than willing to, to battle along the boards. So he's, he's a guy that's going to be a good, good NHL player and coaches are going to love him. So you're drafting right now. You got Krebs and you got Cody Glass staring in your queue. Who are you taking? Uh, if we're going with a points only league, I, I probably lean Cody Glass, but if we're going on a league that, that counts hits, counts some peripherals and whatnot, then I'm probably going to lean towards Krebs because he does hmm. offer a little bit more of a wide range of what he can do. I want to take uh, Soderstrom here because I know that Arizona kind of has a lot of these defensive prospects. I'm thinking uh, Capo Bianco now, too, that are just kind of like they're not too exciting, but they're supposed to be good. And I think Soderstrom's right there that he doesn't really have that offensive flair. What 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 can you bring to the table that's going to make me a little more optimistic here? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. I, 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 I can't I, I can't do it. Like Arizona is the king of drafting the really boring guy that doesn't do a whole lot offensively. <laughs> okay. There, there's a reason why like a couple years ago their leading goal scorer was like 19 goals. Outside of Ekman Larson, they don't have a ton of offensive players. These and Soderstrom fits right in with that. He's he's a good defensive guy. But his offensive upside is he makes a good first pass and hopefully he gets an assist off that. Just want to keep it as low event as possible in Arizona for the rest of forever, it seems. Yeah. Um, all right, so we want to start looking ahead to some of these second-year standouts. I want to get your opinion on Henrik Borgstrom, Gabriel Velarde, and we kind of already touched on Evan Bouchard, the Edmonton the defense movement that's coming. You got uh, Bouchard, Bear, and Broberg, a triple alliteration there. But um, – I know it's a lot to unpack, and I've got an even more scattered question coming up next. But uh, what do you got on these guys? Well, Gabe Velarde, I mean, that's just a, it's a great story what happened last year. He, he came back after all of his back injuries and whatnot. And he, he's a guy that's a little near and dear to my heart because he played in Windsor. That's where I'm from. So mm. I, I, I've met Gabe a few times like when he was playing with, with the Spitfires. And he, he's a really nice guy. So I was so happy for him when he when he got that NHL debut and he scored on that first shift, basically. And it was just it was one of those moments where I was like, yes, I, I, I don't cheer for the Kings or really at, at all. But it was one of those moments where like I, I fist pumped in the living room and the, my girlfriend was like, what are you doing, Tony? You're watching a Kings game. I'm like, ah, I, just, I like that. So like, I, he's a guy that I'm, re- I'm really happy that things have worked out for him. As for future value, I'm, if, if he can get back to where he was fully, then I think he can be a 25-goal scorer, a 25-assist guy. Like, he can put up 50 points maybe. I don't know if he has the center in a ma- anymore really, but more than willing to bang a little bit. He'll get you some peripherals, not a ton. 
But he's he's a good player. Borstrom, you mentioned too, right? Yeah. Oh, Borstrom, he's he's a fun guy. He's he's quick. He moves he moves the puck around the ice pretty quickly. He he can dangle all over the place. He's a fun player to watch. Uh, how well he turns out in in the end in the NHL, I I don't, I don't really know. He he had some success last year. Like he had twenty three points and forty nine games. Per game wise, that's pretty good numbers. If he can continue that, I, I don't see any reason why I don't, he can be a fifty point guy in the NHL. Maybe a sixty point guy at his peak, but he's a he's a fun player to watch. That's for sure. It seems like the ceiling is like right there, fifty five. Yeah, like he he kind of that's where he's at is kind of where he's going to be kind of I think. And then the uh, the last one was the the trio of bees out in Edmonton: Bouchard, Bear, and Broberg. It looks like um, we're all. I mean, the three of us, Zach, I know you're a big fan of Bouchard as well. I'm, big, I, I I'm a big Bouchard, fan of Bear as well. I love Ethan Bear, man. Yeah, I, I think they've got a pretty decent little trio there after having to nothing defensive prospect-wise really for a long time in Edmonton. Bouchard, I think, is going to be the guy that takes over the power play. He's a really, really high-end offensive guy. His defensive game still a work in progress. Is plus minus in fantasy than draft him away because he's going to produce offensively. Ethan Bear is the guy that I, I, I just like the way he plays hockey. Like you, you watch him play hockey and you're like, all right, he's he, that's a good player. You don't have to look at his stats. You don't have to look at anything. And I mean, his stats aren't bad. He has pretty decent stats, but he's just a guy that knows how to play hockey. I don't think he's going to be a guy that produces on a high level, especially with Bouchard in front of him, kind of taking away the power play time. But I think he's He's going to be a guy that can probably play maybe on the second power play unit if he can beat out Nurse and Clefbaum. And as for Broberg, if he can if he can figure out how to play hockey, he's going to be a really good hockey player. Because when he does things properly, you look at him and you go, oh, damn, he's going to be uh, a top top five NHL defenseman maybe. But that just doesn't happen enough. I, I, I watch him play and I'm just like, oh, he makes – a really good move at the blue line and cuts the middle of the ice, gets a shot off. And then he like lazily skates back up the ice and he doesn't, doesn't try on the defensive zone. And then the puck comes to him again in the offensive zone. And he's like, Oh, you know, I had a really good shift last time. I don't need to have a good shift this time. And he's just such a frustrating player because he does Like I said, he has that high end upside, but he just doesn't show it enough. I think he's going to be an NHL player. I think Edmonton is going to force him to be, to, to some extent because he is such a high skilled player and maybe he gets just 30 40 points on the second power play unit but i i, I don't see him ever realizing that that feeling that many people had him at last year going in the top 10 seems like kind of a whiff i wasn't a fan of the pick at the time i like a, a few other defensemen over him but the side's there so i mean if you want to swing for the home run swing for the home run okay so the last thing we kind of got for you here tony it's something that tj and i were both talking about before the uh before we called you up here something that i'm personally actually like really excited about for the next few years coming up kind of like a changing of the guard and that is with goalies in general we have a whole bunch of goalies that are kind of coming into their own in their, like, second year kind of thing. So, I mean, you have Ilya Samsonov, you have Igor Shosurkin, Carter Hart, Thatcher Demko, Tristan Jari. Uh, I mean, and also this year, I mean, uh, Merce Leakins uh, and all these other young goalies that burst out onto the scene. 
Um, hell, you can even kind of throw Bennington in there a little bit because, but I mean, we're moving away from your flurries, your Lundqvist, all of these older goalies that are kind of getting Braden Holtby, you know what I mean? That are kind of getting taken over by this wave of young goalies. I know that it's kind of like a, it, it's, it's more of a talking point than a, than a, than a question, I guess. What do you think about all of these young goalies? I guess if I did have a question in your mind, who's going to kind of take that mantle? Uh, that I think the big thing with the young goalies is the best is yet to come. I, I think with Spencer Knight last year, Yaroslav Askarov this year, and, and next year there's another a Swedish kid named Jesper Wallstedt. I think they're going to be better than all the guys that you've, you've kind of mentioned. Wow. Samsonov might be in their company, Carter Hart, maybe. But, but the, those three guys are, are going to be something special. They're going to be the true kind of arrowhead on that change in the guard, like you said. Uh, we still have guys kicking around like Bobrovsky and still have guys kicking around like Flurry, like you said. And and even like Frederick Anderson in Toronto, he's not young anymore. He's Hell over no. 30. All these, guys, all these guys are going to getting kind of pushed out slowly and, and these young goalies are coming up. I, I, I'm a huge fan of it. I've, I've always wanted go- them teams to try out goalies a little sooner than they always did. Uh, teams always waited until they're 25. And by that point, maybe they've just stagnated in the minors for too long. And they haven't seen NHL talent. Get them into the NHL. I've always said this. If your goalie's not in the NHL by 22, he's not a good enough goalie. And unless there's some sort of like outlying circumstance, like uh, Sorokin, in the in the island playing in in Russia for all these years, there's no reason for you not to at least get him into a backup situation at 22, 23 years old. I, I think we are, like you said, in the in the time of a changing of the guard, we're gonna get these guys, like you said, Merz Lincoln's and even Bennington. He won the cup at 25. He's gonna be on the older end of things, and he already has a cup. Like these these kids are coming, and they're they're five years from now. We're gonna be looking at top five goalie lists, and they're gonna look. Absolutely nothing the same. We're going to be able to look at the yeah. top third goalie list, and we're not going to recognize some of the names if you were to do them now. To me personally, and, and I'm sure it is for you, uh, that's super exciting to me. You know what I mean? Because it, it feels like we're we're at the just the beginning of something, uh, kind of like a, a goalie renaissance, if you will. And I'm excited to see where it goes. But TJ's not. TJ hates goalies. Uh, they're frustrating is all. I love Carter Hart and Shesty's making his way into my heart, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you got to stay a homer with the Carter Hart pick. Tony, thank you so much for your time. I know we went a little long and I appreciate that even more. Uh, one more time, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, well, on Twitter, you can find me at the Tony Ferrari. Uh, I, I do a writing at Dauber Prospect every week, a couple times a week. Uh, FC Hockey is where I do a few deep dive articles. I have one on Jake Sanderson coming out sometime this week. And then uh, next week will be a Tim Stutzel one, actually. So, There'll be plenty to read from me. Well, again, thank you so much, Tony. It was great talking to you, man. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, guys. Anytime. All right. Take care and stay sane. You too. That was cool. Yeah, guys, that was Tony Ferrari. He was a a blast to talk to. Thank you so much again, Tony. If you're listening to this, thank you again for your time. So that was part two of our Dynasty series. We got part three coming up this weekend. We're going to be talking to Dave Hall, who also writes for Dauber Hockey, and we're going to be doing a deep dive into CBJ prospects. 
Columbus. I don't know why I said CBJ. That's where he kind of got a start, and he's writing this great series called The Journey that uh, is featured on Dauber Hockey, where he's talking all of these just different perspectives on everything. And I, I strongly suggest you guys check that out. And we're going to be talking to him about all a bunch of these players here. So everybody, thank you for listening. Tony, thanks for coming on. And we hope we catch you guys later this weekend. I hope you enjoy the show. You guys can find us at FHF Hockey on Twitter. You guys can join our Discord if you're down for it. And for us, we're signing off. We love you guys. Love you.